Hello, awesome people. Welcome to Embrace the Pivot. I'm Dr. C. Robinson, your host for the show. Join me as we discover what pivoting actually means and how you can embrace your pivot during life's transition. Happy Wednesday, everyone, or should I say aloha? It's been almost two weeks now in Hawaii, and it has been fantastic. The island is absolutely gorgeous. If you have an opportunity to come here, I highly recommend it. I was just talking to someone who mentioned that an essential step to pivoting is putting in the hard work because it may sound sexy until you realize how much work is actually involved in what you want to do. So make sure that you do your research and are aware of that hard work. And then I also read a quote where it said, motivation is great, but what dedication are you willing to put into what you want? And that was so powerful because when it comes to pivoting, yeah, what you're going to sounds extremely sexy. You have this vision of what it's going to be like. And then once you get there and realize all the work that goes on on the back end of what you want to do, is that motivation still going to be there? Or are you going to just put that dedication to hard work to get to what you to get to where you want to go. And that, that just was so powerful to me. That hit home because so many times people just talk about the motivation. You need the motivation, the inspiration, and passion. And that will get you to accomplish your goals, to be successful. And that's a part of it. That's not all of it. It's the dedication to the hard work, to the persistence, to the perseverance, to resilience. All of that combined is what makes you successful, is what makes you achieve the goal that you set for yourself. So as you're looking to pivot, look at what dedication are you willing to give to hard work and go from there. Today, Tony Martinetti joins me to share his pivots from pre-med to finance and biotech, to now coaching executives through his company, Inspired Purpose Coaching. He shares a lot of great tips on one, how to evolve as a leader, and two, how to really listen as a leader. I'm really excited for you to hear his story and his perspective on pivoting. Everyone, please welcome Tony. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, having this conversation. All right. So it looks like you had a strong career in the financial world, and now you've pivoted over to becoming a coach and helping leaders with their teams. So if you could talk to me about your background and how you got into coaching, that would be great. Of course. So interestingly enough, it's uh, not just in finance, but also in the industry of biotech, which was a, a place that I really loved being in. I spent almost 25 years in, well, not just biotech, but also in the high-tech space. And the job I, I um, held was 
in the finance and strategy um, type of roles along that path. It's funny that before I got into this field, I was a uh, I was an artist as a child, and then I moved into this you know this feeling that I was going to be a doctor. So I went, I was a pre med major who then switched into business, wow. <laughs> and then eventually ended up being in you know, in the finance field. I loved what I was doing because I I liked making an impact and I loved being able to you know understand the business of biotech and what have you and um, people always applauded me for the work I was doing I, I did really well very driven very hardworking but there was often times along that path that I felt like something was missing I was a you know I'd say the square peg around hole I don't know I just stuff that down and I just let it, you know, I said, I'll just keep on moving on. I'll be happy when I get to this place where I can be making, um, you know, the impact that I want. Um, so I kept on trucking on and that was my journey. So. Now, how do you go from pre-med to finance? That's a good question. So I, um, first of all, I wanted to be a radiologist. So it was more about this, like, I didn't want to be cutting people open per se, but I wanted to really be you know, looking at the body uh, and understanding, you know, where people, you know, where they had injuries and looking at, like, you know, more you know, x-rays. And uh, as I got into the process of studying biology and, and really understanding pre-med, I realized that there was something that I didn't quite understand about the process of becoming a doctor. I didn't want to be, you know, cutting people open. <laughs> so I started to look at, like, what are the options around? <laughs> um, I love science, and I, and I, you know, I really wanted to be able to, um, to make an impact on the business of, um, of science. And so I thought, well, wait a minute. What is the most fundamental piece of being in business? Well, finance and accounting is that kind of the language of business. And that's what led me into that field of saying, like, well, maybe that's what I, I can use that as a way to still make an impact. But that's how I got into it. You know, I learned that I can do it well, but at the same time, I also realized it wasn't my calling. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> and, all right, as you go from finance and biotech to an executive career coach, yeah. Did you get coaching, or how, like what was that process like for you? I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's this very thing that um, that brought me into the world of coaching eventually. I never really had a coach, and I often lamented the fact that I'm like, wow, like I wish I had someone along the journey to help me and guide me, um, and just to be a thought partner to help me think differently about the way I was navigating. I just always felt like, you know, I have to figure it out. I'll just figure it out. And there was a, mm -hmm. a mantra that I picked up along the way, which was, if it is to be, it's up to me, which is healthy to some extent. There was also an element of, like, being the hero and the martyr that um, was problematic. Um, there are people who have navigated this path. There are people who have, who can help you, and, in fact, a lot of the people who I now talk to tell me that um, having a coach is like a powerful uh, advantage, um, just having someone mm -hmm. to, to run thoughts by. And so ultimately, I didn't have that coach. I didn't have that mentor relationship uh, along my path either. 
and ultimately, um, you know, I would have loved to have had that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's funny is I always get asked, who is your mentor? And mm. honestly, it, it's I've had mentors in different situations, but not a long-term mm. mentor. And I just wonder if it would have been different if I did have a long-term mentor or coach getting me to this point. So that that's really interesting that you mentioned that. So where does inspired purpose coaching come from? Yeah. So let me, uh, you know, as I, um, I haven't really answered your initial question, so I'm going to get you there and, and share inspired purpose coaching and how it came to be. So I came to these places in my journey where I kept on working harder and harder and um, really leading myself to a place of burnout and depression. But also on the outside, people saw this, um, this person who was being successful I and mean, really doing a lot of great things. But inside, I was dying. And what I found is that I can't continue doing this. Um, I can't continue to go down this path. This is not going to serve me well. And so what I found is I uh, had a turning point. I started to build myself out of that hole in the dark points of my, of my journey and started to have tools in, the, in, my, you know, in my belt that helped me to see that there are better ways to navigate um, in the world. I didn't leave biotech at that point, but what I did is I started to see that there are you know, just ways of being the author of your life and not just being a reporter, not just you know, showing up and hoping yeah. that things are going to be better. So ultimately, I had a moment that as I had some clarity, I started to see that I don't want to be living this life the way I am. And I had a moment where I was sitting in a, in a boardroom at a biotech company I was working with, and I said, you know what, I think I'm ready to leave the room and change the room. And I literally left the room and said, I'm going to do something different with, with my life, and I'm going to create a path for better leadership. And that, I didn't really have a plan. I just decided that I'm going to do something around helping leaders become better leaders. And uh, coaching became that path. I had worked with a coach briefly for a period of time before, before making that decision, and there were some sparks that started to go off. And I started to see that, wow, there's something about this experience that not just like, oh, this is really cool, but that it really set off some sparks about who I am and what I'm about uh, and I realized coaching was something that I am really good at. Um, so anyways, I don't want to go too, much, too far along, but that was really the starting point of Inspired Purpose Coaching was to say that I need to use the tools that I know I have inside of me, uncover them, and use them as my inspired purpose to help others to connect with their purpose and use that as a leader in the world not just a leader in business, but also a leader in their lives. I really like how you said that it was time for you to start being the author of your life and not the reporter. How were you yeah. able to switch from the reporter to the author? I'll tell you, it's not an easy thing to do. and it's, um, you, you could be told over and over again the same thing, and sometimes you need to have an experience them or really you know, feel it in your bones that it's time to make that switch. 
for me, I had to have some dark moments in my life where I really had to see the way I was living was not serving me. I had to break the patterns and realize, whoa, the way I'm showing up right now is not serving me. I'm just going through the motions. And that moment is what really created that shift in me. And it made me realize that I'm no longer going to have days when I'm just going to show up and let whatever happens happen to me. It wasn't immediate in the sense that I didn't know how to create that in me, but I knew that little by little, I'm going to start shifting the way I show up and start creating a pattern of today, I'm going to do something that I want in the way that I want. And one of the things I realized, and this is what connects me back to my earlier days, which is to say, I became the creator too. I started to unleash my creativity, which was something that I hid from uh, myself for many, many years. A lot of us have that, and it's all hidden because we think we need to hide those things away and become the person that we think everyone wants us to be. That is so powerful. Yeah. And if you if you can share, do you remember what that like first change was that you made? Because you, I, I was going to ask that question. Did you just jump mm. all in, or was it a gradual process? But do you remember the very first change that you made? Well, I I first started to create space in my calendar. I said, look, I'm not going to continue to go from meeting to meeting to meeting and just let things just happen. Uh, and, you know, accept whatever comes on my calendar and just you know, show up to every meeting just the way it is because I was just serving. I was people-pleasing at that point. And now mm-hmm. what I'm doing is I'm shifting into this place of, okay, if I don't have to be in this next meeting, I'm not going to go to that next meeting. I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's not because I don't really care. It's more from a place of what do I have to, um, to contribute? If I don't have anything meaningfully con- contribute to that next meeting, I'm going to very politely decline and say, I need to create space for myself to become more powerful, to become more empowered about who I am. And those were little things like that that said to myself, like, no, I'm taking control of my time. And that is like, wow. I never would have, my former self would not have done that. He would have just kept on going through the motions of, yeah, whatever's next. Okay, where am I going next? You know, what's the next thing? And by the end of the day, I would just be burnt out. Um, I had a professor in my master's program and for leadership, and he said the number one thing is to take control over your calendar. Don't have your assistant mm-hmm. book your calendar because then you lose all control over everything. And I've always kept that in the back of my mind. And it's true, right? Because it, like you said, you were able then to block off that time. And if you didn't take that control, as you said, you'd just be showing up and just letting happen what happened versus taking that control. So thank you for sharing. I love that. I'm going to say, and it also serves the people who I, you know, when I did go to a meeting, I, I served those people very powerfully because in a way what I was doing is I was bringing my full self into those meetings and not mm-hmm. just like showing up like, okay, here I am. <laughs> what do you need from me? Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Um, so as a leadership coach, how has your leadership style evolved over the years? 
Um, I would say one of the things that I've noticed about myself is that I've slowed down the way that, I sh- that I'm bringing myself to any situation, the way I talk even, and you might have noticed that, is that I used to be very, like, you know, quick and, you know, try to get as many words in as possible because there's an old saying about how we get paid by the word um, in the corporate world. And now I'm starting to see the power of silence and the power of slowing down. And I think that's really got me thinking about what the, the power of the quiet leader. When you, the quiet leader speaks, mm. they, uh, people listen because they know that those words that they say are going to land and they're powerful. When a leader speaks all the time, loudly, they're the ones who are, they start to get drowned out. It's like, like a crying baby, you know, it's okay. The baby's always crying. You just, you know, in some ways you just want to silence the baby. <laughs> so. uh, good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you look back at your career, in all aspects, and I know that there's going to be many of these moments, but what is one of your proudest moments? There are a lot that I'm proud of, and, um, you know, I I don't necessarily want to make it um, about myself necessarily because there are a lot of things about, like, you know, I'm going to say two because one of them is – making the decision to walk out of the door and, and to start my own path um, is one of my mm-hmm. proudest moments because it took a lot of bravery for me to move out of the corporate world and, and to do something that I, yeah. I really didn't have experience doing and to lean into the unknown and to learn every day that it's possible to make something happen on my own. That I'm proud of. But I'm also proud of the impact that I made in the corporate world with the people who I got to, to lead. And, I, you know, I think about each person that I had a chance to, to be the, um, a leader with, you know, I'd say with because it's not a leader of. And I am so proud of being able to, to have worked with them and been inspired by them um, because one of the things that I've really gotten to know is that it's not about you know, inspiring others. It's about really being inspired by them. And that's what really fuels me um, to do the work that I do even today. If you ended up having a long-term mentor, do you think you'd be where you are today? Wow. And, and I don't, you know, in reflection, let me just kind of answer uh, the question, but I'll, before I do that, I'll take a little side detour. Um, what I've realized is my mentors were not, they were mentors but they weren't mentors directly. My mentors were the people who were leaders that I saw and how they showed up. And so I, I did have mentors, but I didn't know they were mentors until I reflected back on my situation. They were the leaders who showed me the way of how to lead. And they were also the leaders who showed me how not to lead. Um, so those are the mentors who I think about now but I didn't know it at the time. Um, if I did have a mentor, would things have turned out differently? Um, I don't think so. I, I think I would have come to the realization maybe at an earlier time that I was meant for something different than what I was on. I don't think I would have ended up in 
you know, staying in corporate or doing something, or maybe what I've been doing would have been more around helping people inside the corporate world in the same capacity of what I'm doing now, which is to help to amplify people's inside impact. Like, at what moment when you're working with somebody do you get more inspired to keep doing what you're doing? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's powerful. Well, first of all, um, when I start to see that they're realizing that they have more in the tank than they realize. When I, when I first start working with a person who says, like, you know, gosh, I've accomplished a lot. I get it, you know. But I feel like this, I just feel stuck. I don't feel fulfilled. I feel like there's something missing and I don't know what it is. And when we start having a conversation and I start to have them reflect on their past and then have them think about their future and they start to realize, wow, like I haven't really had the, taken the time to really dig into the story and I'm starting to realize that I've missed a lot of things about myself and about what I really, really want. And I like to think of those moments as they're breathing deeper than they ever have before. It's like having that one breath that like, I'm finally getting it now. Like I'm, I'm more powerful than I ever expected I could be. Um, and for me, that inspires me because it, I know that, that this is a person who has so much more that they can give the world and now they're realizing it. Now they realize that they, ha they have more to give and they're going to give it in their own way, not in a way that society is, you know, expecting of them. I'll just give one last part of this to say that, like, so many of us are following a path that is, like, we think is expected of us around this, you know, I should want to be the CEO, I should want to be the C-level person. But in reality, when you really connect with that path, it's like, this is what I'm meant for. It's my calling. Then you really start to see the alignment of, of who you truly are. And it's powerful. Yeah, 100%. If someone came to you stating that they were about to pivot or transition in their career, what would be three essential steps that you'd share to help make that pivot successful? So first and foremost, I would ask, ask and so, you know, what is the reason for the pivot? I mean, is there... Um, or, you know, because I don't want to necessarily um, tell them don't do it because <laughs> I'm all about for people making changes in their lives. But what's the reason behind it? Is there, you know, are you pivoting because you feel that this new change is going to create something that will unlock um, a new part of you, um, create something for you that you haven't had in the past that you really think is powerful for you in terms of a shift? You know, I'd ask a lot of questions to find out, you know, what is the why behind their, their pivot? What are the things I'd also ask about their fears? What are they afraid of in this pivot? If they've already bought into the pivot, it's also good to identify the things that, are, that might hold them back from being powerful in that pivot. You're the first person to say that about identifying the fears. So if they identify the fears, then what? What does that help them do? in the pivot? It, it makes them go into it with the, their eyes wide open. You want to know the risks that you're going into, not to avoid the risks, but so that you can be so open to all the things that you're, that you're getting into. 
you don't want to be blind to things that, that can show up and just like, okay, all of a sudden I'm here and now I regret what I've done. You want them to, to be so um, open to the, the things that are going to show up. This is, uh, makes me come to this one idea that I often think about, which is expanding your vision and narrowing your focus. When you do a pivot, you want to step away from the decision. Like, make sure you're really looking wide and seeing what are, what's really going on here? What are the things that are really happening? And what are the possibilities this might open up to? And, you know, once I get really clear about all the things that are happening here, then when I narrow my focus um, in, you know, do the work that needs to be done to make that pivot, to make that next step, then I have such clarity that um, I know exactly what I'm going to do and I know how to do it because I've, I've taken the moment to step out and see the whole picture. And now I can go in and narrow. Wow, that is really powerful. Thank you for sharing. What is on the horizon for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, I have my, uh, my first book is coming out June 1st, um, self-publishing. So uh, it's called Are You Climbing the Right Mountain? And um, oh, congratulations! So, yeah, thank you, thank you. Beyond the book, I am really excited about creating some. I have some group programs I'm working on that have been really exciting. I just love getting people together to do transformation together because there's something about that that it creates a connection first of all, and it also allows for kind of that um, it amplifies their impact when people come together. So. Ultimately, that's what's on the horizon in the near term. And then I hope a vacation at some point. <laughs> I need to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. So. Where would you go? Oh, my gosh. Um, I really wanted to get out and go back to Europe. Um, it's been a while um, just to, to get out and you know, potentially go back. I haven't been to Italy, um, so I'd really like to go back to Italy. That would be cool. I've always loved Europe, but um, my last trip okay. and I did during the pandemic, which was um, I went to Peru in December, um, and that was quite mm -hmm. an endeavor because just getting out of the country and then back um, was a challenge, but being in Peru was absolutely amazing. Well, Tony, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate all your insight today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Embrace the Pivot. I hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, if you would like to get in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at Embrace the Pivot or send me an email at robinson at embracethepivot.org. Have a great week. You can follow me, Dr. C, on Instagram at Embrace the Pivot. I hope all of you embrace your pivot.